The last few weeks, we've been dealing with God questions. And today, we're going to talk about this question. Does God really love me? We all want to be loved. From the youngest person in the room to the oldest in the room, you desire to be loved. From the most outgoing person in the room to the most withdrawn, you desire to be loved. And even if you're one of those people that puts on a gruff exterior and works against that desire by having a standoffish attitude, even you, deep down, if you're honest with yourself, you know that you desire to be loved. We've talked about some big questions over the last few weeks. Where is God? Who is God? Is God really good? And today we're going to talk about the question, does God really love me? There are all kinds of people in this room, and we've got all kinds of different talents, different income levels, backgrounds, but each of us have these small voices in the back of our heads, echoes that tell us, maybe from our past, that tell us these reasons that God wouldn't love me. Whether those reasons are sins that are in your past, or maybe it's a perceived lack of gifts, maybe it's a difficult relationship with your parents, and they hurt you, and they let you down, and now you believe that your heavenly Father is going to hurt you and let you down. Regardless, now, insecurities dance in your mind just below the surface. And you struggle with that question, does God really love me? It's easy to believe that God so loved the world collectively, but not so much that God loves me. So with that question, does God love me, the answer is Yes. Now that's the simple answer, but there's so much more to the story. Because although God, the creator of the universe, loves you desperately, his world doesn't revolve around you. And if we aren't careful, we can think that God's end goal, his purpose is to fill us with happiness and to help us succeed and to bless us with prosperity. So let's look at one of the most loving and comforting scriptures in all of the Bible, Psalms 23. There's almost never a situation in a scenario where this passage couldn't bring hope. Why? Because it tells us how God is so close to us, and that he cares about us, and he walks with us. You know these words, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God walks with me. He leads me. He protects me. He comforts me. He feeds me. And I get to be with him. But why did it just tell us that he does all that? Is it because I am the center of the universe and everything revolves around me? No, Psalms 23 says that he does all this for his name's sake. 
I'm reading through the book of Ezekiel right now, and over and over, God rescues his people and punishes an enemy. And God says this, and then they will know that I am the Lord. Psalms 31, 3, the psalmist says something similar. He says, for you are my rock and my fortress, and for your namesake, you lead me and guide me. So Psalms 23 tells us that his love and his care that he has for us is for his namesake. Matt Chandler says this about this passage. He says, look at the motivation in God's heart for all of this shepherding and reviving and restoring. He leads me in the path of righteousness. For what reason? For his namesake. So God's motivation behind his shepherding you, his provision for you, his love for you, his passion about you, really the motive in all of that isn't that you're great, it's that he's great. So the motivation is his glory, his name, his renown. You are not the center of the story. Phil Wayman is not the star of the show. It's not all about me. Yes, absolutely, God loves me and he cares about me. But it's not because of how awesome I am. It's because of how awesome he is. And that may feel weird at first to listen to those words, but it's better for you that way. It's great. Why? Because it's because of who God is that he will always love you. And you don't have to keep his attention. You don't have to impress him. God is love and he loves you right now, right where you're at. Why? Because it's who he is. It's not about how lovely I am. But this can get kind of uncomfortable for us to think about. Everybody is telling us that you, we need to value ourselves and we need to have uh, you know, this high opinion of ourselves. And yes, God, we are created by God, we are valued, and we are loved, but we are not the center of the universe. We like to be the center of the story, though. We sometimes even project this onto the Bible, right? And we read ourselves in the Scripture, but that's a big mistake. It's important for us to treat the Bible with respect. Now, the proper way to interpret the Bible is known as exegesis. And that means to bring out the intended meaning of the scripture, to let the Bible speak for itself. We need to stay away from this other thing. It's called eisegesis. And that's when I bring my meaning and try to impose it on to scripture. And I make the Bible say what I want it to say. And that's dangerous and that's scary and it makes the Bible change with culture. And that is how people have done terrible, terrible things in the name of God's word because they have brought their meaning and imposed it onto scripture and twisted it to say something it didn't really say. Another form of eisegesis is known as narcissus, And that's when I insert myself into scripture. And we see this all the time. And sometimes you'll hear uh, famous pastors even do it. And because it's tempting, because I want to be the center of everything. And if you'll tell me I'm the center of any, everything, it's going to make me feel good. But narcissus is a dangerous thing. And here's some examples. We read the story of David and Goliath, and we think, I'm going to take down the giants. I'm going to take down the giants of my finances, of my failures. And I'm just going to sling my stone, and, and I'm the hero of the story. 
That's not the right way to interpret the Bible. We read Daniel in the lion's den and we think, oh, I can get through this. And we, we maybe lift weights, right? And we think, oh, I can do all things through strength, through strength in me. Like that's what the Bible's talking about there, right? That you would get a little bit bigger biceps. We see Moses parting the Red Sea. And we think, God will give me the power to save the day. But we are not the heroes of the story. Jesus is the hero every single time. His name is the important name. It's all about his glory and his renown. But in human terms, that's kind of weird for us to think about. If I tell my wife that I love her because I want to bring glory to my own name, it's probably not going to go over very well. I'd have to be full of a decent amount of pride to say something like that. But see, the problem with pride is it's not true, right? I'm not the smartest person in the world. And regardless of what my mom says, I'm not the most handsome boy in all the world. I don't have a better character than everyone else. Pride gives me credit that I don't deserve. But God is the creator of it all. And he is all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's everywhere. It's not pride. It's facts. And we don't bring him anything that he doesn't already have. But he loves us anyway. He doesn't need us. He wants us. And he asks us to join him in that pursuit of bringing glory to his name because he alone deserves all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. First Chronicles 16, 28 says, Ascribe to the Lord. That means give to the Lord. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory that is due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. God does things for his glory and his renown because he deserves it. You might think, well, I'm pretty great at my job, though. Can't I just get a little bit of credit? Can't I give glory to myself there? No. You only have gifts and talents and blessings and intellect and life because those things have been given to you by God. God deserves all the glory for anything that you do. And this doesn't, look, when we're talking about this, this doesn't mean I have to walk around feeling bad about myself. Here's a novel idea. Think less about yourself. It's not about you. It's about him. God deserves all the glory for anything that you and I do. Recognize who he is. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship him. Don't take the credit for things that he has given you. Ascribe to him the glory due his name. Have you ever, any, any of you ever seen like a celebrity out live in person just like walking around? Uh, maybe it's at a restaurant in a big city or on a golf course or something like that. Well, I was in the airport in Pittsburgh once, and I saw the celebrity chef Robert Irvine from the show Restaurant Impossible. He's just walking through the terminal. It was weird. Uh, here's a picture of him, I think. Do we have that? She's shaking her head. That's what he looks like. <laughs> you don't have it? Google it later. Here's the point. He's gigantic. I don't know if you've ever seen him or not. He's huge. He's jacked. I didn't mess with him. I just left him alone. But what if I went up to someone like that, like Robert Irvine, while he was cooking in a kitchen, 
and try to give him tips on how to better season his risotto. You might look at me and say, hey, don't you recognize who he is? Don't you know what he has done? Give him the respect that his name deserves. I'm in no position to give Robert Irvine any cooking instructions or pointers in the kitchen. Recognize the man for what he's done. But just like I shouldn't give cooking tips to a celebrity chef, not one of us is in any position to give any pointers uh, to God on how to run the world. And this is why idolatry and uh, you know, giving glory to things that aren't God is such an offense to him. Because we shouldn't give the glory that he deserves to some statue or inanimate object. Psalms 115.1 talks about this. It says, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory. For the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness, why should the nation say, where is their God? Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. The idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. They have eyes, but they do not See, they have ears, but they do not hear. Noses, but they do not smell. They have hands, but they do not feel. Feet, but they do not walk. And they do not make a sound in their throat. I love this last part. It just says these, these things aren't smart. They're dumb. They don't do anything. And it says, those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. These things that we give glory to rather than God, it is an offense to him. Don't give praise to a wooden carving of a monster for the crops that you have at harvest. That was God. That inanimate object that can't see you, hear you, talk to you, smell you, touch you, walk to you. Your idols and superstitions have done nothing for you. Don't give the glory that God deserves to a rock. And don't you take credit for the things that you have done in your life either. That was God. Now let's update these uh, you know, pictures of what idolatry looks like for us. Now many of us worship a little statue, but instead we worship our money and we trust in that. We worship our job and our notoriety. And maybe even we worship our family. But they can't take the weight that God deserves. So does God love you? Absolutely. He will always love you. He cherishes you. His love moved him to action, but he loves you because of who he is. Not because of how awesome you are. And ultimately that's better. That's an amazing thing because some days I'm less awesome than other days. But God's love never fails and it never wavers. Recognize and admit who God is and what he has done for you. And join God in the quest to bring glory to his own name. He deserves all the honor and all the praise because of how awesome he is. See, living a life full of oneself is the emptiest life there is. You will not be happy. You will be so lonely because you are not fulfilling the purpose that God has given you. And God loves you too much to let you live a self-centered life unchallenged. 
That's not love. It's not good. Letting you live in your sin is not good for you. Instead, he wants you to join him in bringing glory to his name. It's the reason that you were created. God loves you. He made you. He gave you this purpose for his name's sake. Lamentations 3.22 said, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. And because God's love is not dependent on your performance, but his goodness, you can know that it will never change. You know, John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We wouldn't even know what real love is without the evidence of his action in the world. So give him the glory. Titus 3.5 says he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. He wasn't willing to save you from your sin because of your merits, your accomplishments, your character, your virtues. It's because of his goodness and his mercy. God doesn't need you today. He wants a relationship with you. And he asks you now to join in him with giving honor and glory to his name. Because he alone deserves all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. C.S. Lewis said, Jesus died not for men, but for each man. Man, excuse me. If each man had been the only man made, he would have done no less. You need to know that this morning. That God didn't just send his son for humankind, but for you. Because he loves you. Why? Because of who he is. 1 John 3.16 says, By this we know love. This is how we know love. That he, love, laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. God is love. And we know love because love laid down his life for us. And we ought to go and do the same. And now we fulfill our purpose of giving glory to his name by going out into the world and acting out that same love that he showed to us. And we don't do it for our credit. We constantly point back to Jesus. This world is full of people that are lonely, people that are hopeless. And this is a huge opportunity to be different, to love people and point to Jesus. This is what you were made to do. And this is how you will find real fulfillment and real purpose. By recognizing who God is and give him credit for what he deserves and understand that his love is not based on my performance, that he loves me because of who he is. And he's close to you in pain and darkness for his name's sake. And now it's your turn. It's your turn to walk with those that are in pain and darkness for his name's sake. Each of us has this deep longing inside of us to be loved. 
And don't believe the lie that God doesn't love you because of something that you've done or something that you don't have. God's love is not dependent on you. God's love is who he is. And he would do it all over again if only it was just for you. How can you not fall in love with a God like that? This is who God is. So give God the glory and the honor and the praise that he deserves. And that's why it feels so amazing when you serve someone else without strings attached in the name of Jesus Christ. That's why it's because that was your purpose. When you lift up your voice and sing out in worship to God and you're giving glory to his name and you're taking time in scripture and you're reading what he's done and giving glory to his name and you take time in prayer and spend time just telling God how awesome he is, that's why that works is because it's what you were made to do. And that is what we're sent to do out there, not quietly, not angrily, not out of a place of judgment, but constantly bringing the love of Christ and doing good deeds in his name and constantly pointing back to the one that deserves the credit. Every head's bowed and every eye's closed. Does God really love you? Absolutely. 100%. He died for you. There's no one in this world that's loved you more. There's nothing that you have done that you could possibly make God love you any less. There's nothing that you could do to make God love you any more. Why? Because it's not based on your performance. It's who he is. And because he loves you, he wants you to fulfill your purpose, which is to give glory to his name. He wants you to stay away from selfishness. He wants you to stay away from sin that hurts you and the people around you. Not because he's some dictator, but because he loves you desperately. And he wants you to fulfill the reason that you were made. By this we know love. Love laid down himself for us. How could you not love and serve a God like that? The band's going to play in just a second. Let's take a moment of just unbridled thanks to God for everything that's in your life. Every good thing that has ever happened. The breath that's in your lungs this moment. Take a moment. Right now. Thank him. Give glory to his name.
As those of you that have accepted Christ as your Savior, continue to pray and thank God for who He is. Maybe you're here today and you're not sure that you have a relationship yet with God. The Bible tells us that God created a perfect and a holy world. But He gave us free will, and because of that free will, we've chosen sin over and over again. And sin is this rejecting of God's way. Because of that, death, disease, and pain and hurt flooded the world. Because we constantly choose our way over His. In the Old Testament is this story of God pursuing His people and His people continually rejecting Him. But then 2,000 years ago, God got off the throne in heaven and was born of a virgin. His name was Jesus. For 33 years, He walked this earth. He lived a perfect and a holy life. And he taught people and he did miracles and he showed love to people that other people thought were not worthy of love. And the world was all confused about him. They thought he was there to overturn the government and take over. But he was there to overturn our sin. And they put him on trial and they couldn't find anything that he'd wrong that he'd ever done. But the people were mad. So they decided to crucify him, to kill him. And even on the cross, as he carried that implement of his torture up a mountain, and they jeered him and they spit on him and they mocked him. And they nailed nails into his hands and his feet and they hung him up all along the way his love is what drove him his love was the actions that he showed to people around him on the cross as the thief asked him to be remembered Jesus said you're going to be with me today in paradise And, and even as his last words Some of them were, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And it is finished, this mission that he had come to do, which was to save you from your sin by taking the punishment upon himself. The only innocent person to ever live took on all the guilt and punishment that every person that had ever sinned deserved. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, to call upon the name of Jesus shall be saved. He gave you this gift to not have to suffer the the punishment for your sin and death and hell and guilt and shame. And he wants you to live with him in eternity in the next life when he makes all things new. And that Jesus didn't stay dead. Three days later, he rose from the grave, bringing our salvation with us. 
and conquering the chains of sin and death. This is the gospel. This is what it means to be saved, to put all my faith in what Jesus did on the cross and none of it on my good works or some ceremony or church membership or anything else. Why don't you call out to him right now? Maybe for the first time or maybe it's the first time you really understood it. You can use your own words. Words aren't important. You got to know that you're a sinner. You got to know that there's a penalty for your sin. That separation from God. And that Jesus Christ paid the price. and Put all your faith in him. That's the only means of your salvation. Why don't you call out to him right now? You use the words. It's about a genuineness in your heart and a turning away from everything that you held on to and putting all your faith in Jesus Christ. God, thank you for the breath that's in our lungs right now. Thank you for saving us, God. Thank you for continually giving us second chance, third chance, thousandth chance, over again and over again. Thank you for giving us hope right now. Thank you for giving us peace through storms and comfort. God, thank you for everything that you've ever done for us. God, thank you for this group of people known as the church that we get to come and give honor and glory to your name. God, I pray if there's anyone today, God, that hasn't made that choice to follow you with all their life, that they would call out to you right now. God, thank you for your love. In your name we pray.